Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, here's here's what I'm guessing is happening in your homes right now that you know that if we were gathered together physically, we're gathered together spiritually, we're gathered together online together, church is happening, Christ is the center, we're honoring him and celebrating him and life looks great with him and you'd wanna be applauding and listen, the day is coming, the day is coming. But meanwhile, God is moving. Maybe what you should just say to the person with you, man, I, I, I love you. Listen, if you can't say it, just say, I like you. J- Jason, I love you. Thank you. Can you say anything back? Thank you. See, I love see, you. That's what's I broke. You, man. That's what's broke right there. You, just, you, you. you figure it out what you can say in the room. But we love you. More importantly, God loves you. Yeah. And we are going to have a day. Whew, this is one of the days where you are so glad that you connected in and engaged. This is one of the days where you're gonna start telling everybody else in the church and and, and those you know, and maybe those outside the church to say, you you need to experience this. See, we think God has an agenda today. We we were going, we'd already planned on communion today. We had no idea in that earlier, longer term planning of what God would do. And we think God has an agenda. Communion, the Lord's Supper, it is the power of God to transform us. Correct. To change us from the inside out. It, it doesn't even occur to the world that, that the racial divide and all the other things that divide us get, get addressed right here. Mm-hmm. And so the first half of the teaching is you. I, I know it's you. good. I, know. I love you. See, now you love me. <laughs> it's going to be good. But we've got to get into to, to Christ's vision. And... and what is the format and, and the why of communion, the Lord's Supper? Why is this so powerful? You're going to unpack that for us. Yeah. Then, then when he's done, I get back up. If he'll let me. If he doesn't, just keep running with it. If he'll let me, I, I, I'm going to come up. I'm going to bring a friend of mine, Gary. We're going to have a conversation. If, if this is true scripturally, then how does that play out in the life of the church, in relationship? How do we go live the power of that in our lives? So, church... You were encouraged last week, get prepared, get the elements, grape juice, bread, uh, whatever. If you don't have that, get, get some water, get something right. But we'll give you time. You'll have time. But this can be a powerful experience. Let me pray for us. Let me pray over Jason. Heavenly Father, we are honored to be your sons and daughters. And right now, God, I know there are people listening. They're, they're not part of 12 Stone. They're, they're, maybe they're believers, and they're, but they're, uh, they got stuff they're navigating, and we're, they're just jumping in with us. God, they're your family. Then we're all family. They are family. There are those who are spiritually unresolved and they're caught in, the, in, in just the divide that's going on in our nation and they're wondering, does anybody have a solution? Is there any hope and help in this? God, I pray for those people right now. If you're, if you're one of those and you're listening and you don't know Jesus and you don't understand the, the communion, the Lord's Supper, I pray the Spirit of God will awaken you to who you are and who you were created for and, and what God did for you. Bring them to you today, Lord. Father, we surrender to your agenda. Let your anointing rest. Just rest on Jason. 
And if you would, just tell the Lord, everyone right now, I, I want to receive it. I want to receive what you have for me today, Lord. I'm listening. Holy Spirit, you speak to us. And you give authority and compassion through Jason by the power of your word. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Kevin. So today, we talk about communion. See, some 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ himself, as he was preparing himself to go to the cross, he sat down with his disciples at a meal, and he had the first communion. He said at the meal, he said, this bread, it represents my body that's broken for you. This juice, is, is, it represents my blood that was poured out for you. And he says this, do this in remembrance of me. See, Jesus, even before he made the sacrifice, even before he went to the cross, Jesus prepared a table. And I love that the, that the picture of communion is a table because it, it, it requires us to be in communion, to have communion. We have to be in communion to receive communion. In fact, there's two things that have to be true in you before you can receive communion. Communion is not for everybody. Two things have to be true in you. Not, not true in the world, but true in you. First, you have to be in right relationship with God vertically. I have, to, I have to have bowed and surrendered my life, and God, I'm in right relationship with you. And secondly, you have to be in right relationship with the people around you, the horizontal relationships. See, communion's not just about the vertical, it's about the horizontal. You see, every time we come to the communion table, the Spirit of God urges us to wrestle down where am I not right with God? Where am I not right with, with people around me? It's almost as if Jesus knew we would need this reminder. It's almost as if Jesus knew uh, you guys aren't going to get this right all the time. You, you're going to need the reminder of communion to slow yourself down and say, God, where am I off with you? Where am I off with the people around me? It's just a reminder back to what Jesus said was the greatest commandment. It says this in scripture, Jesus said, this is the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the greatest commandment. And that, that is the question that we ask ourselves, that we say, God, search my heart. Before I receive communion, God, search my heart. See, today I want to talk from the perspective of the world that is looking in on the church. Maybe, maybe you know what communion is all about, and this will be a reminder for you, but maybe your, your students don't, your kids don't, maybe your roommate doesn't. But listen, the world's looking into the church and saying, y'all are weird. <laughs> You're weird. The world's divided, and y'all are yelling, we are one. How in the world can the church say that? Like, look at the news. How can anyone say we are one? See, we're weird, but in the most beautiful way ever. See, what Jesus said is you are one. He didn't say strive to be one. He said you are one. As a kingdom fact, you are one, church. You are all one. And listen, we're not always going to get it right. Whether the church is one functionally right now is debatable. But the kingdom fact remains that Jesus declared you are one. In fact, there's scriptures. I could literally read the next 20 minutes of scriptures declaring this. But here's just a couple of them. Jesus said this, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, talking about us, the church, and I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Here's another verse, 
We are all members of one body, Ephesians 4.25, a kingdom fact. We are one. Here's another verse. Just as a body, though, has, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. See, this is a kingdom fact, but why does scripture have to say it so much? Why does scripture, why, does, why are there so many scriptures declaring we're one? Because Jesus knew this would be hard to walk this out. Isn't that true? It's complicated to walk this out. But don't pretend that in Jesus's time, it was all lollipops and, and rainbows and everything was perfect. Jesus stepped into a world that was much like ours, so divided. See, when Jesus stepped in the world, it was divided into all these kingdoms. Different people, different backgrounds, different races. Nobody got along. See, Jesus showed up. And at that moment, a relationship with God with only, was only for the Jews. And then Jesus showed up and he stood up for the Gentiles and said, nope. Welcome you all in the kingdom. Tell me that didn't have divides. See, back then, people were separated by race, by gender. Women were second class, all kinds of stuff. And Jesus showed up and said, no, 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 no. I'm coming to destroy all those little kingdoms and give you a kingdom that's big enough that you can all bow to it. A kingdom is large enough that, that everybody could bow. And inside of that kingdom, we can all be one. We can all be equal inside of that kingdom. You see, back in those days, it was not easy to get everyone from different backgrounds, socioeconomic, racial, gender backgrounds, to all sit at the table for communion. But Jesus showed up and said, no, you're one. If you can't understand the times back then, think about this. Jews didn't eat with Greeks. Greeks wouldn't eat with Jews. Jews thought the gospel was only for the Jews, but when the gospel started going to non-Jews, Peter got upset about it, and Jesus had to give him a dream and say, nah, don't call, don't call something unclean that I've called clean. And then Peter had to agree with Jesus that, all right, there's no such thing. There's no more divides. There's no more walls between us. See, it was complicated back then. And this would have, this would have blown people's minds to think we are one. And we unite under the banner of Jesus Christ as our Savior. And though it's a kingdom fact, it's complicated to walk out, isn't it, church? This gets complicated. If you have kids, you know, under your own roof, you can't get everyone to get along, right? This is complicated. But it doesn't change the kingdom fact that Jesus said, no, church, you are one. See, when you join Jesus and when you celebrate communion, you have to settle the divides, not for the world, but for your soul. You have to settle the divides, the things that don't align to who Jesus is. You have to settle those in your soul. We can't settle it for the world. We can sell it for our soul. In fact, if you want to take notes, here's something you can write down. This is helpful. Even if we can't solve it everywhere, we can solve it in the church. There's no, there's no government that can solve this. There's no club that can solve this, but we can settle these divides inside the church because Jesus gives us something big enough that we can bow to. His kingdom is bigger than any kingdom that's going on on this earth. See, when we say we can solve in the church, that's what we mean when we say 
We exist to transform souls, families, communities. Don't miss this. When you, when you partake in communion, when you partake in the blood and the body of Jesus, you are, you are communicating the fact that, listen, we are one. And when, when Jesus transforms a soul, he can then transform a family. And when Jesus transforms a, a couple families, he can transform the church. And, and the church can then begin to transform the community. All these racial divides, all this hatred, all this, these walls being built up. Jesus came to tear this stuff down. And we can't fix it everywhere. We can fix it here. And we have to be a part of that. This is not a political agenda. This is a kingdom agenda. Can't solve it everywhere. I get that. We can solve it here. But this goes deeper. I love, I love scripture. This goes deeper. We're not just one. We're family. We are church. If you, if you bow to Jesus as your savior, we're family. Let's read this passage. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God. Through faith, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed, yourself, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile nor slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We are family, church. If you're taking notes, write this down. Listen, Jesus' blood... The blood of Jesus doesn't just save us. It makes us siblings. The blood of Jesus doesn't just give us salvation for eternity. It makes us siblings. We're brothers and sisters now. See, every time we take communion, we're bowing to the truth that, listen, there's a new reality. I, I just got adopted into a brand new family. My last name might be Barry here on earth, but I'm a part of a family way bigger than that. See, what Jesus beckons in us at communion is to say, no, we're, we're family. You're my brother. You're my sister. See, if you're around 12 stone for very long, you hear us say, I love you a lot. My, my grandfather didn't like, he was sort of, it wasn't comfortable for him to share his emotions. It wasn't until he was way older that he would say, I love you and hug me. Some of y'all, you're not even comfortable with this yet. But listen, I can look at someone who's a brother or sister in Christ and say, I love you. And it is so normal because that's my, that's my family. I might have the blood of my mom and dad coursing through my veins, but I got the blood of Jesus making us one. We are a family church. See, the beauty of family when it's done right. We got each other's backs. We sacrifice for each other. We love each other. A couple, couple weeks ago at dinner, kids came in for me outside. A couple of the neighborhood kids were picking on my daughter. And she came in and she said, Mommy, Daddy, Luke and Lincoln came out and they, they were there for me. They had my back and they protected me. I went, man, my heart exploded. Like that's family. See, we're not going to get this right all the time. We need grace, but that's the picture of family. See, that's what God sees when he looks at the church. He looks down and, and, and when, when we are actually acting as family, God's heart just has to explode. Think about how much yours does if you have kids. And when inside the church there's, there's fighting, God's, God's heart breaks just like yours does. My kids are messing around. Just, they can't get it right. My heart breaks. I'm going, no, I love you all. 
the blood of Jesus doesn't just save us, makes us siblings. And we are one and we are family. And every time we step to that communion table, God's reminding us of those things. Jesus knew 2,000 years ago, you will need to be reminded of these things. Listen, you were created for a God who loves you, cares for you, and died for you, but you have to want it. And listen, God wants this for you. God wants this for us. God doesn't want us divided and fractured and infighting. God wants us to actually be family. If COVID has done anything for me as a parent, it just, my desire for my kids to just get along makes, that is the largest desire I have on a daily basis in COVID. Amen, parents? That is God's heart for us. He wants the church to be one. We cannot solve all the world until we solve in the walls. Interestingly, there's nowhere in scripture where God asks the church to go into the world and yell, get along. What does God ask? God asked the church to just get along and tell the world about Jesus. Our role is not to scream at the world. Our first role is to figure out how to be one in the church. And if, if the world looks in on us and we can't get this right, the world has no hope because Jesus is the only banner big enough that we can all get under it. There's no person, no politician, no celebrity, no cause, no organization that's big enough that every man, woman, and child on this earth can bow to it, but Jesus is. See, when we sit at the communion table together, we are forced to look in and ask those first two questions. God, am I in right relationship with you? As you prepare your heart for communion, this is a great moment to just pause. God, where am I living in a way that displeases you? God, where, where are there places that I have sin that I've got to make that right vertically with you? And equally so, listen, the second question is not an addendum. That's not a little tack on at the end. This is just as important. God, where am I, where am I not in right relationship with people around me? Let's make it real practical, church. The Spirit of God might convict you to apologize on social media. Maybe the Holy Spirit's going to say, you need to apologize for what you said. You got heated in a moment. You said something, and that does not represent what Jesus' church is supposed to look like. Maybe you're going to apologize for not saying something, not speaking up. The Spirit of God, listen, if you will stay attentive to the Spirit of God, he's going he's gonna to press in on these things. I don't have to make it specific. The Holy Spirit will make it specific for you. Where are you not in right relationship? Maybe these next 24, 48 hours, the church should put on a display in social media showing brotherly and sisterly love. Even if we disagree on some of the finer points, who cares? Let's be the church. Let's be one. Let's be family under the name of Jesus. So you got to wrestle those two things down before we actually receive the elements together. But we also have to wrestle this down collectively as a church. This is a beautiful thing. Communion is a beautiful thing. But in relationship to what's happening in our country right now, how do we wrestle down communion in light of the events that are happening? So Pastor Kevin, you're going to step up. You're going to continue this conversation. Communion is a beautiful thing, but how in the world do we do it in this world? That was, that, man, that was so strong. Not because 
Jason can communicate, which he can, and, and not because it was well articulated because it was, but because that's the vision of God. That, that's, what, that's what Jesus accomplished right there for us. And so when you unpack scripture, you're captivated uh, by the size of who God is and the heart of God for us. And I want you to meet my friend, Gary, my brother. <laughs> now, listen, I got to set it all up for you. Uh, this past week, I've, I've sat in several conversations. I've sat in uh, various circles to talk through. Look, look at what's going on in our country. Look what goes on in the Big C Church. Look what goes on in our own church. And, and the divide that gets widened by the weight of, of what's going on and what's gone on in history uh, lands on us. And, and how, do, how do we navigate this? So I literally sat in several different conversations and wanted to listen uh, in, in various circles. And one of those uh, was a group of about uh, 20 African-American 12-stoners. And you were part of that group. And I don't know that we'd had any really meaningful conversations. You've been at the church for like eight years, and, but you're, you're, you helped launch the, the campus at, at Snellville. And, but as, as, as we shared together, it was a great conversation. I did a whole lot of uh, listening and engaging. Well, I'll tell all of you. Uh, Gary began to speak. And I was, I was getting encouragement. I mean, what everybody said. In fact, if I could put all of the whole group of 20 up here, it would be so encouraging and so helpful and, and, and so powerful. And, and so much that got said, I wrote down. And, and, and when you spoke, I, I, you said something that I, I want to teach. Me. I said, I, I, you need to say it. <laughs> so I interrupted. I said, you're about to become my friend. You're, you're about to become another voice in my life. And, it, and I just sensed the spirit of God say, I have some agendas. Change what you're doing Sunday. Uh, and you graciously said, sure. I said, can I bring you up on stage? Can we have a conversation? You said, all right. Let, yeah, let's go do that. So, so here we are. And let, let's talk about it. Because you said, if, if you're taking notes, I'd write this down. You said, relationship resolves racism. Now, that's an application. We know in the church, this, the blood of Christ and the body of Christ makes us one. Uh, Jason walked us through that, but you said relationship resolves racism. And I was immediately captivated. Talk about that. Okay. Um, just like anything else, relationships, everything starts with relationships, whether it's uh, marriage, um, friendships, all of that. It has to have a relationship. And um, I think I told you early on that uh, and, uh, when I was younger, had a, we lived in Buffalo, New York, and uh, there was a gentleman who lived next door to us. He was probably about 24, 25, and my brother and I we were probably about 10, 9. And, uh, and he would do all these incredible things. He'd come over, he'd play basketball with us, he'd race us up and down the street, he'd buy us candy, when our parents told me we shouldn't have it and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and uh, and uh, then one day we saw him getting ready to go to work and found out he was a police officer. Well, his name was Herman, and Herman was white, and he was a police officer. And so early on, because this is around 1965, 65, 64, and uh, there was a lot going on racially. But he was our friend. 
And now I find out he's a policeman. And I had to make a decision how I feel about Herman. Well, we loved Herman. <laughs> we didn't care about any of the other stuff that he was. He could have been, it didn't matter that he was a police officer. He could have been, it didn't make a difference because we had a relationship with him. Yeah. We had a relationship because when we moved in, he came over, he helped us move in. He helped do things with us. So we had a relationship with him. So his color, his job, none of that mattered. That, when you said that on Wednesday night, I, I was captivated. And you went on. I don't know where you, well, first of all, we should describe, you, I know you went to law school, but what do you do? What, what work are you in? I work with the Department of Juvenile Justice. I, um, I'm a, vic a victim advocate and a community outreach specialist. So I work with um, people who have been victims of our children, as well as children who have been victims and uh, try to find resources for them uh, in the community and also try to address any sort of issues they're having while they're under our supervision. And you help bridge divides. You got to hear this. As you're listening to this, I want you to absorb, because this, this is how this stuff lives out. You, you, you have to help bring people together in the midst of some great divides. And you said, uh, in the midst of this dialogue on Wednesday night, you said something about uh, putting people in boxes or labels. How did you say that? Uh, well, what, I, what I, I was telling you is that I, I teach a class, and one of the things that I teach is that we can't put people in boxes because there's no one who is just one thing. And, uh, and there was a group of prisoners there, and when I talked, I said, I bet you right now I can name three things that everybody has in common. And they did. And, and we went on to talk about the fact that when we put people in boxes, it gives us license to treat them however we want to because we dehumanize them. Whether we say, well, he's a biker, <laughs> Uh, which, which, that, so that's a good thing. That's what yeah, you mean. Yeah, yeah so that would be the good thing. <laughs> so, you know, you, we, we have boxes for what we think a biker is, what we think that a, uh, you know, someone who's goth, and we have all these different boxes that we put people in, and that shortcuts relationships. It does. And then the labels go on them. And the label goes on them, and then that gives us license to treat them as whatever we have deemed yeah. that group of people should be treated like instead of getting to know the person. One of the things um, that caught me in, in our uh, conversation Wednesday night, because it, it, actually I was asking you and the other couples there and individuals, um, talk to me. Um, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't grow up like you grew up. I didn't grow up with your experience.